0: generation engineering and i am excited to share this special episode uh and i'm so happy to be recording today because i today i have to uh, go over some of the questions that i have been asked uh and thank you so much for submitting your questions uh i've gotten emails i've gotten uh messages on linkedin i've received uh, messages on the anchor app um, and of course, if you want to send me a message, you can do it through those um, means. Uh, send me a message through the Anchor app. And of course, you'll have to uh, download the app or you could simply um, go to it on your desktop or send me a LinkedIn message or email. So uh, again, thank you so much for tuning in on this new episode of New Generation Engineering. And so I got uh, some questions about uh, preventative maintenance. And so some folks have asked me, uh, you know, what exactly is preventative maintenance? And so it, and it's not that they don't know what, what it is. Um, it's more of a, uh, you know, what should we look into? What is it we're looking for when we're talking about preventative maintenance? So uh, let's dive right in into the preventative maintenance. And 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 so that was one of the questions. What exactly is preventative maintenance? Okay, well, um, very good question. Well, that's one thing that us engineers do. We do preventative maintenance. Uh, we get a work order. We get a PM. Um, I'm sorry, let me take that back. We get a PM uh, and that PM uh, on, our, on our phones and... And or perhaps uh, our boss uh, prints it out for us. If if you're a uh, if you're a chief engineer, you probably print them out for your uh, engineers to be filed on a, in a filing cabinet somewhere. Or if uh, you have a software um, like a work order system that uh, you get, you put in the work orders uh, or the PMs rather, and uh, the PMs come automatically to your uh, mobile device and you just uh, you, you, you close out your PM that way. So um, that's a good way to do it. That's a newer way to do it. Um, however, I, I, I wanna caution you on certain things with having um, preventative maintenance uh, PMs or PMs on your cell phone. And I'll get into it uh, here in a little bit talking about what that is. But let's first tackle what exactly is a PM. So a PM obviously is preventative maintenance. It is a schedule of planned maintenance uh, actions aimed uh, at prevention of breakdown and failures. Uh, And so, of course, the primary goal of preventing the maintenance is to prevent the failure uh, of an equipment before it actually occurs. Uh, It is designed to preserve and enhance equipment reliability by replacing worn components before the, they actually fail so much like a, a belt on an air handler or perhaps um, you know just any kind of warm part like a coupling on a pump um, which we will talk about uh, motors here in a little bit too so that exactly that's kind of that's what a pm is so what should we be doing in a pm um, well you get the work order like i mentioned paper copy or on your mobile device and you don't you don't want to go in there and start writing numbers down as you see them and and then close it out and be done with it. No that's not a good idea. What you want to do is you want to make sure that you seek for opportunities to make that equipment more efficient one or um, you also want to make sure that uh, you don't find any anomalies um, and so, what I mean by that uh, is, there any readings in your previous PM uh, that uh, you don't necessarily see on this PM? So let's uh, start talking about something more specific. If you are taking a, an amp reading on a motor, and the amp reading is, you know, twenty mega, uh, twenty megabytes, twenty amps. Here I am talking about megabytes, uh, twenty amps, and and of course the nameplate reads that it is rated for let's just say 17 amps so is that number steadily going up or steadily going down so things to look for and again we'll get uh, get, uh, into that a little bit more Uh, but let's talk about the benefits of a preventive maintenance program so what are the benefits of course we talked about it earlier in, in, in the definition of what a preventive maintenance program is. So it's basically, the benefits of it is making sure that the equipment downtime is decreased and the number of major repairs are reduced. Um, better, it's, it's, it's better uh, conversation of assets and increase of life expectancy of assets, thereby eliminating premature replacement of machinery and equipment. Uh, and it'll also reduce overtime costs and it's more economical use of maintenance workers due to uh, the working of on schedule ba- on a schedule basis. so um, and so what I mean by that is, of course, instead of having to worry about having to work after hours or uh, you know spend away you know, some time away from your family, you can be um, preventing some of these some of these actual failures from uh, occurring on your equipment. so, you don't want to necessarily, uh, ignore something because again, uh, it once it fails sometimes, uh, or if it starts failing, like again, like a bearing on a motor and it's a little loud and now it's, uh, it's necessary for you to replace it. And if you have to do that in house, then now you got to, um, come in on the weekend, uh, and, and do it or come in really early. And so that inconvenience you a little bit there also. Um, or, or if you have a contractor that does the work, uh, you you have to go in there and give them access, and you got to make sure that uh, um, they they they're doing what you're what you're paying for, and, and making sure that uh, you know they're doing everything according to the scope, uh, including what motor it is, um, they installed it, uh, they laser lined it, or or if it's if it's an air conditioner, they installed it in the right place, whatever. Uh, so, um, so you know, we, I've been talking about motors, and I got a good question. I received a good question about motors. So uh, someone asked, uh, how do I perform a good maintenance program on motors? Uh, so you could, it's, it's so, it, there's, there's different ways to, to look at that. Uh, and and, and I, I guess there's indoor motors, there's outdoor motors, uh, enclosed motors, um there's um, small motors big motors uh so greasing motors um there's motors with the grease ports and uh you know there's there's, there's so, so i i would say make sure to look into the manufacturers um uh, specifications on specifics on the maintenance program for each individual motor now one thing that you can do for all motors is obviously inspect the bearings so make sure that uh, there isn't any vibration or no or noise. Uh, so those are signs of potential problems, uh, you know, including dirt buildup, poor lubrication, or wear and tear. So the bearing housing may also end up uh, too hot to the touch. So if you go to it and, and you touch it, you know, just because you hear some noise, it may actually burn you. So be careful with that. Don't do that. Uh, maybe, uh, you know make sure you have your, 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 your personal protective equipment or bring in a um, like a, um, a, a a laser uh, temperature gun that would uh, measure the temperature on a particular motor and so again uh, whenever they're hot due to vibration and noise those are signs of potential problems uh, so this could signal issues such as uh, insufficient amount of grease or overheating of the motor so uh, that that's that's also uh, a sign that that uh, you know the motor may be um, not i guess to lack of a better word not properly maintained or could be maintained better uh, better okay and there are some motors with low ho- horsepower uh, that no longer need lubrication uh, at these uh, at, you know, they, they're 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 basically sealed bearings so they're self lubricating Okay, so let's uh, dive right into my next question. Uh, And and they were talking about, you know, what is the what is the the voltage operations for a uh, or the operating uh, tolerance on a 460 460 volt motor? Um, I I like to stick with the the 10% rule, uh, the 10% tolerance of voltage above. And below the rated nameplate uh, value. So if you if you look at the nameplate of the motor, uh, you should be able to get some specific information to that motor. So uh, again, a 460 motor with a rated nameplate voltage of 460 uh, should be expected to operate successfully between 414 volts and 506 volts. Uh, of course, you know, you know that anything above or below that, that's when you start experiencing some failures on your motors. So if you do have uh, issues like that, or they're even getting close to those types of voltages, uh, start uh, questioning the quality of power. So sometimes you can get dirty power, or it could be, um, you know, something down the line uh in 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 your line feeds so um the next question i received was the differences between lra rla and fla and so the of course just just starting for you know from 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 what i recall at at chattahoochee tech we when i started learning about uh, motors uh we started talking about uh fla a little bit in some books and so uh, fla stands for full load amps so this changed back in 1976 to rla of course i didn't live back in 1976 um, but it it, it changed uh, to rla which is rated load amps uh, so it, it changed from fla to rated load amps now there is some motors out there i haven't seen any in a while that uh, that have rla i'm sorry, FLA. Uh, and but uh, I'm sure there's some, some, out, some out there that, uh, that still exist. So LRA um, is locked rotor amps. Of course, this is the current you expect under starting condition, uh, conditions. When, when, when you apply full voltage, it occurs instantly during startup. So it's basically when the motor is completely, Uh, turned off and then you give it that quick start that that one jolt Uh, it's when you have it it, you'll you'll see your um, amp meter go up you know go up really fast and then start equalizing uh, so uh, to a to a um, to a regular um, uh, rating or the nameplate rating rather so so that's lock rotor amps Uh, and so the next one is the run uh, the rated, uh, the RLA, the rated load amps. Uh, so, whenever we're talking about, obviously, for example, compressors, that it's it's kind of like it's 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 the maximum current a compressor should draw under operating conditions. Uh, so uh, it's often mistaken uh, and called running load amps, which is not not technically correct, which leads people to believe in, you know incorrectly uh, that the compressor should always pull these amps not exactly the same thing but uh, that is uh lra uh rla and fla well wow, that can get you tongue twisted um so i've been asked uh, another question how often uh should i grease a, a motor uh and again earlier i mentioned uh there's different manufacturers there's different uh rpms uh and uh and, and so there's there's different uh uh ways to 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 um to look into that but first i i want to i want to start by saying you know i'll start i'll i'll get to your question i'll get to that question but i want to i want to talk about how to properly grease so um what what you want to do is obviously one thing i I, i'm real particular about is looking at the, the the grease fittings and making sure the grease fittings are clean so you know wipe them down make them look good um, and if it has a cap put on it put the cap on uh so you want to remove you remove the, the the grease outlet plug okay so that's very important uh it, it, i've seen people grease motors and 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 you know they, they the bearings and, and there's just like it absolutely kills me to see them not pull uh the outlet plug Uh, and that's very very important Uh, it's the plug at the bottom of of the motor and so or it's sometimes at the bottom sometimes on the side Um, but uh, you have your grease port and then you have your, uh, your grease outlet plug so you got a plug and a port so the port is where your grease gun goes and the plug is where you remove uh, the the where you allow the grease to, to come out uh, so that you're able to, I guess prime, so to speak, purge the old grease out and, and add new. So you add uh, the recommended amount of grease uh, and so what the way you do that is obviously you, you open up the plug at the bottom, you put the grease uh, uh, nozzle from your grease gun onto the grease port and uh, you squeeze away Uh, I usually give it, you know, a good five to eight squeezes, depending on how much grease comes in there. But the important thing is to make sure that the grease plug is taken out. If you don't remove the grease, um, the the plug, you can potentially uh, damage the the windings. Uh, And you'll see it sometimes uh, if a motor has been improperly maintained, they don't remove the plug and and you'll have some of the some of the grease coming out the inside of the motor uh, and that's when you know you got a bad seal so um so be sure to grease um, uh, the grease it properly Uh, also be sure to be uh to 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 be adding uh, to add a, a compatible um uh you know type of grease that 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 goes inside your motor now i've dealt with uh i've worked mainly with baldor motors and and, and some different other uh, you know m- big names out there. So you want to consult your distributor, uh, and, and authorized service center for the recommended type of grease, or look up look up some the information online. So um, so you you want to grease. Usually, what I do is again I, I like to grease it and stop when the new grease appears at the shaft hole and and. Um, and of course, and then of course, you want to replace that plug, that outlet plug, after afterwards. So um, be looking out for that information uh, online, or reach out to your, um, to your, uh, I guess your motor expert, and they will tell you exactly uh, how to properly grease the motor if you have no idea on how to do so. Uh, it's 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 good to know the people who know this. Okay, and so we. The, the so the original question was uh, how often so again um it's it's all dependent on the amount of hours that your motor runs and so if you have uh, if you run your motors from 6 a.m to 6 p.m uh you have about 12 hours of operation and so so you wanna you wanna find out how long you run monday through friday because uh, I'm sure your schedule is probably different on Saturdays, Sundays. Most people take, uh, or have the HVAC off on, on Sunday, and your major three-phase loads are off on Sunday, including your outside air fans, your total exhaust, and and you know um, and, and your air handlers and your cooling tire motors. So, um, so it's it's dependent on the the RPM and also on the rated speed. I'm sorry, not the radiant speed on the on the amount of hours rather. So how many hours do you run it? Uh, I generally, you know, we I generally grease the motors on a quarterly basis or on a semi-annual basis. Uh, and again, um, you you can over grease these motors, uh, so be careful on um, you know making sure that you read up on the literature of each individual uh, type of motor. Uh, But the general rule of thumb, obviously, when it comes to greasing, is removing that plug out uh, from the bottom of that motor. Well, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of New Generation Engineering. Keep the questions coming. And again, if you know of anybody who wants to be on this show, I have a few people that are lined up to be on the program. And it's all because of the listeners. Uh, that have suggested these folks to be on here and um, I'm going to get them on there. I'm just working on a few things uh, with, with uh, the recordings and uh, making sure the quality is good um, and, of course, um, finding, uh, you know, finding the, the time to do so. Of course, we're busy. We're building engineers. There's uh, plenty of things to do and I generally like to come in uh, in the building uh, really early in the morning. And so I like to do it whenever the HVAC is off and whenever, um, uh, you know, there's nothing, suppo- there's nothing supposed to be on, like lighting, no HVAC, uh, just to walk around. And, and, you know, that's when you spot the most things. And that's allowed me today uh, to be able to record this podcast here in the shop. So, um, you know, I like to walk around And knowing that everything is supposed to be off and so we'll start talking about midnight audits and what that means in terms of uh, HVAC Uh, and again a good example of that would be just to come in here and and dial in on the inner energy management system and find out what's running should it be running if it's off if it's nobody here um, maybe save some energy there or a uh, walk around. Don't look at the automation and say, wow, this is nothing's running. Everything's good. No, walk the building, walk the cooling tower, the, the roof, walk the, uh, the cooling tower areas, the catwalks, check out your cooling tower, check out your sand filter, check out your condenser water pumps, your chillers. Uh, are they running? Or uh, should they be running? Is it on the schedule? Uh, you know, check out your air handlers. You know, sometimes, uh, there's, there's, there's some signs there that there's some items that, that can be, uh, that, you know, somebody may have put the, the, the pump on hand overnight, you know, who knows? Uh, so there's some potential there to save energy. Uh, and and again, we'll talk about it on the next episode or a, a few episodes down the road. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in and thank you for asking the questions that you do. Keep those questions coming and I will do my best to answer them, uh, I hope you join me on the next episode of New Generation Engineering.